are some intangibles that those projections failed to take into consideration. The crowd was going crazy. There's not much in life that's better than that. You're listening to Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys with Mark Willard and Joe Shasky on the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. All right, what's going on? Next episode, Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys. Here we go with Joe Shasky, Mark Willard, and it was uh, an interesting week, at least in the midst of, you know, not a lot of baseball drama, uh, but we did get uh, a few things. A vote of confidence for certain uh, high-level giants. We'll talk about that. More free agency rumors, Zach Littell drama with Gabe Kapler, all of it coming up in a moment. But, my man, let's start with Brandon Belt. Mm. So, uh, we all know the situation he's in, the the procedure that he's had. Is his career over? Is just his Giants career over? Or could there still be some meat on the bone? Uh, That's all TBD. But I'll predict this, and we'll play it for you here in just a second. I, I will predict that whenever Brandon's done, Brandon's going to get real popular as a post-career giant Um, just because of his way. He's kind of quick, sarcastic. You know how it goes. The guy that frustrates you while he's playing, once he's not playing anymore, you kind of tend to only remember the good moments. Um, Great appearance with Crook and Kipe on NBC Sports Bay Area. What kind of stood out to you? Yeah, well, a couple of things. Uh, I totally agree with you on that first, uh, that final comment talking about how we're going to remember him. I do think five years from now, oh my God, even the biggest anti-Brandon Belt fan, uh, who's a Giants fan, is probably going to be like, you know what? I long for Brandon Belt because he was there for so long. And I think when you have that familiarity, you poke holes in everybody's game. Like, that's just the reality of it. And again, I sold this to you before. He he was the first baseman during the most successful run that they've had since coming to San Francisco as an organization. Um, it was interesting to hear him be so candid and be himself. I do feel like the last two and a half, three years or so, a very mature, different, more open version of Brandon Belt. I don't know if this guy was inside of him the whole time or if this is just who he's blossomed into as he gets older. The part that just he was talking about his knee and he was talking about how healthy he felt. And I didn't know whether he was saying, I want to come back to the Giants or I want to come back to baseball. And he was also simultaneously bidding to do to the Giants fans. I had a tough time trying to interpret what was going on there. Well, I think it was all of those things. I mean, he made it clear. A, yes, he wants to play baseball. Among the other quotes. I really rather not play anywhere else. He loves the Bay area, right? I know he lives out in Lafayette. Like I think he's settled in very nicely when you're in one spot as a professional athlete for a decade. uh, That's a, that's a big, big deal. So um, I think he would love to keep playing. I think he would love for it to continue being a giant, but he also knows that maybe for the first time in his career, this is totally out of his hands. Somebody has got to want him. Doesn't know if, and he probably is questioning his own body. Like he doesn't even know if he's actually going to be ready. Um, But you combine that with he's selling himself too. You know what I mean? Like I feel better than I ever have in my career. How many times have you seen an athlete say that? Like, I mean, no, 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 you don't. At 35, you do not feel better than you do when you're 22, no matter what. I don't care. And you just had surgery last week. So you can say all of those things because he wants to play. And so he's maybe trying to talk himself into it. He's trying to talk another team into it. But I thought it was exactly what you said. It was a combo platter of I'd like to be back, but if this is goodbye, I want to have the chance to say goodbye. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and, and you, it's interesting you bring up, like, oh, I feel the healthiest I've been. Dude, you've got a knee brace that's bigger than right. both of Peyton Manning's knee braces right. in his final couple of seasons. Like, I love you, bud, but come on, man, read the room. It was very interesting to hear how quick-witted he was. I yeah. don't think he'll ever want to do this, but I could see him actually being quite a good broadcaster. I don't know if that's what he wants to do, and I don't know, you know, like a lot of these guys that get paid the amount that he got paid – you know, you reach a level of financial security. Why would you want to go on the road? Why would you want to go through the grind? But I thought he was really good in the booth, and I didn't well, know this version of him existed. Yeah, I, I think what happens, a couple things on that, because there is a way to do it without having to travel a whole lot. Maybe he wants yeah. to be a studio guy, you know, and an analyst that's not doing play-by-play. That's one thing. Number two, I've always felt Brandon had this. Whenever we got to hear him talk, you heard a very wry sense of humor, a really smart guy, somebody who understands the whole process of media and baseball yeah. and whatnot. But he also got big enough in that clubhouse where he only had to talk when he had to talk. Yeah. Here's what I mean by that. Like you watch this with a lot of pro athletes, like let's do this exercise with the Warriors right now. Okay. Let's say you or I was going to reach out to Raymond Ritter, who's the PR <laughs> guy for the Warriors, and you want someone to come on your show tomorrow from the roster. Who are you asking him to get? Well, let's process of elimination. You're not getting Steph. You're not getting right. Clay. You're not getting Draymond. You might get a Kavon Looney if you're lucky. Kavon I mean, that's is how like the, he's the top of the PR tree. <laughs> exactly. Because by the way, I've already been told one time, Andrew Wiggins not a radio guy. No. So why have you never heard Andrew Wiggins on the radio? Now you know. I'm sorry, yeah. just let the cat out of the bag. Warriors. No, it's true. But you have to move down the list it's because so there is a thing in sports and media circles where guys are like, I've already paid my dues. Yes. I don't need to sit here and do this, that, and the other mm -hmm. and belt and Buster Posey last mm. year Crawford still comes on he doesn't have to he's so chill I don't think yeah, he really exactly cares. but yeah. Brandon didn't have to do that now he has to do that again yeah if you want to play again or if you do want to set up something post-career hey this is step one and uh and and you're right he does it well in fact let's take a listen to something that I felt was a very very good start you ever want to do something in media circles for the Giants just pop into a microphone and say something like this. Well, if you had the the great honor of playing your entire career in a Giants uniform, and this is your home park. Absolutely. And, you know, like I've said before, I hope I get to, to keep doing that because yep. I really love the Bay Area. I, I absolutely love this organization. I love the fans. There's no, there's really nowhere else I want to play. So um, we'll see what happens. This is a business, you know, stuff happens. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm, and all I know is I'm going to get as strong as I can and get ready to play baseball next year. Um, and hopefully I get to see these guys again because I, I, I love my teammates as well. So you compliment the city, you compliment the team. By the way, many people heard he also went on a lengthy compliment of Crook and Kipe. He said, you guys, I've been, I've heard every broadcaster in the business. You guys are the absolute best. I'm honored that you called all my games through these this year. Like Brandon, if you wanted, this is maybe feels and sounds a little cynical, but if Brandon wants a post-media career, man, he followed the script perfectly yesterday. That's exactly how you do it to start getting a fan base on your side. Complimenting Crook and Kipe is, by the way, the first thing that you do.
Yeah, and you know, just from a baseball element, first basemen always have personalities because when guys get to first, you always got to have a little conversation. I mean, I don't care what level of ball you're playing. Like all the first basemen that I can think of all have some little personality and he goes right into it. What's funny to me is that he was a guy I, I was frustrated with at times. I thought he was a good player, an above average player. I've been going down the empathy rabbit hole when it comes to Brandon Belt, watching him walk to the plate and how his body's giving up on him. And then just thinking about the shift and thinking about certain players that maybe were born in the wrong era. I've thought about this a lot. And what if Brandon Belt had come up now with the rules changing the way that they are and the shift kind of going away and you see someone who's missed 41 home home runs, home runs at Oracle Park. Let me make yep. sure I clarify that. Basically, StatCast and all these advanced analytics have said, hey, about 40 to 45 home runs in his career could have been more had he not played at Oracle Park. You're looking at a guy with over 200 home runs. Maybe he's even more pull happy because there's no shift. Like – I'm just curious, like, are we going to look back at Brandon Belt and go, God, had he just come around 10 years later? You know what I mean? Like, there's certain guys in certain sports, I feel like we look at them a little different because they just missed out on an era or a window. Yeah, I, I definitely think he's a guy I've always thought of. And in fact, um, look, we all love this ballpark. Yeah. We all love this ballpark. But I think we also can all agree, if there is a picture of one player who's been affected by this ballpark, um, and, and I guess in a way you could say negatively, he, he is he is absolutely the first person. He's number one. Now, you could say, look, Barry Bonds did it. He was left-handed, but that's Barry Bonds. Um, he hit mammoth shots. He had help, all, all of that stuff. Outside of that, this guy, um, you know, not negatively affected in that he came in at a time where the ballpark was beautiful, the fan base was big, and the success was high. So he's definitely benefited from that. But statistically, no one has been affected more negatively by that ballpark than, than Brandon Belt. Um, yet, he keeps a wry sense of humor about it. You hear exactly what he says. Like, I don't know. I mean, uh, look, he's been paid handsomely, so I'm not asking for anyone to have sy uh, sympathy for him. But I, I think, by and large, he has always handled that really, really well. And, and so we went through 10 years of the belt wars, and I could see easily this guy being accepted across the board by the fan base once he's done. Um, and, and, and maybe that is now. So you're right. I don't know where he wants to go or what he wants to do if, uh, if it's not going to work out. But let me ask you this. Visualize this with me for a second, okay? Um, he is invited to spring training next year on a minor league deal, and he's getting down the line real well, and he hits 400 in spring training. How would you feel if he was on the roster? Here's the key. This is the number one thing. They cannot pencil him in every day to start the year, no matter what he does in spring training. Right. There have to be multiple contingency plans. As we Before you continue here, the DH is a huge factor here. That's another part of the Brandon Bell element that I don't think we gave enough credit for. Part and why I think a lot of people had venom toward him was because first base, because of the lack of the DH in the NL for so long, was a spot that you're like, hey, you could get this guy on the open 
open market and he could play a little first. But no, Brandon was there because you didn't have the DH, right? For a variety of reasons. So that's why I'm saying like, yeah, I have no problem with him coming back in a reduced role the same way we did with Hunter Pence a couple of years ago. All right. Mm -hmm. But you cannot pencil him in and visualize him like we did this year heading into this year. Hey, he's your everyday first baseman. He's going to play 110, no, 115 no, games. No. I mean, it's just that's not going to happen. One one last thing as we, we go down this rabbit hole of his career and kind of looking back, and I don't think this is revisionist history. I'm asking out loud. Bond's clearly a unicorn. Bond's clearly the outlier here. Who's the second best hitter in the history of Oracle Park left-handed? It's Brandon Belt, and I don't think it's close. Mm, the second best left-handed hitter in the history of Oracle Park. I mean, the only other candidates that, that popped in my mind are JT Snow, and he was both parks. Yeah. You know, Brandon Crawford, and outside of last year, that answer's a no. Um, gosh, I mean. I didn't mean to throw one at you, but, like, no, think about it. Like, I'm, I'm just running my mind through well, all we never, the people. We never phrase it that way, Mark. No. Like, And that's something I think, again, uh, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, you know, I've been vocally against the dude. And then I started thinking, again, because I've been feeling bad about all the years I crushed this guy, and I'm saying, really? Like, I think I need to kind of recondition myself and how I'm viewing him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, even even now, it's just actually while you were talking, I was just looking at a, a at a Brandon Belt sort of statistical page. Mm -hmm. And and you look at career numbers and we're always like at the end of a career, we're always thinking in terms of Hall of Fame and yes. how are we going to you know label yes. someone? And so obviously this is nothing near that. But when you see one uniform, 175 home runs and an OPS well north of 800. Exactly. I, I don't know what to tell people. That's a good baseball player. That's a really successful baseball player. Absolutely. And, and look, and everyone's going, well, Willie McCovey, look, to hit 500 home runs, Boy, most, people, most people can't even count how many guys have 500 career home runs in the history of the game for 200 years. It's a very short list. Right. We're not going to name a body of water after Brandon Belt. Exactly. That's what, right. I get but that. But that does mean he still deserves his just due is yes. where I'm going at. There's got to be a bar that's lower than Willie McCovey for crying exactly. out loud. So, yeah. All right. So real interesting on Brandon Belt. It's garlic fries and baseball, guys. Just a quick reminder that we come at you twice a week, and we would love for you to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Okay, before we get into what Greg Johnson um, said about the front office and any free agency stuff, uh, let's work through the Zach Littell situation a little bit. And it's really kind of a one-two punch. And for those of you who – I can't imagine there are many of you, but if you're not aware of the situation – Earlier this week, Littell gets pulled out of a game. He had faced four batters. He allowed three of them to reach base um, and, and had then just gotten a double play. But here comes Matt Olson to the plate. It's an obvious pitching change situation. Gabe Kapler goes out to get him. Littell slams the ball into his hand and then turns around and barks at him a little bit. Gabe gives him a, a weird look, then goes, okay, I'm going to go back and do my job here on the mound. But then when he gets back to the dugout, he does the dad walk. Right, son, get your ass over here right now. We need to talk. They go down to the tunnel. I'm sure he got absolutely unloaded upon. And then there was the apology from Latell after the game. My bad. Um, you know, it was just emotion. He gets sent down to the minors the very next day. And Gabe Kapler essentially says, totally performance-based, with the caveat that being a good teammate is part of your performance. So... 
Let's start with the act and then we'll get to the next day comments. But a quick reaction on like, I know there are all the rumors of all oh, the guys have problems with Gabe Kapler. I see this happen. And the first thing I'm thinking of is that's a guy of all the people that you could have to have an outburst or a situation with Gabe Kapler. It literally probably the last person on the entire list of people who've worn giants uniforms this year maybe outside of Kevin Padlow, that you'd be like, that's the guy who ends up, you know, throwing the gauntlet down on the ground. I could not believe it. I know. It was absolutely stunning to me. First off, I'm thinking to myself, as it's happening in real time, I'm lying in bed like half asleep, and I'm going, he's the only guy, Zach Littell, on the planet who thinks that Zach Littell should still be on the mound in this circumstance. Like that's don't let the Kapler stuff. Cause people have their own opinions on Kapler that does should not formulate in the moment. He was wrong. Zach Littell. Totally. Doug, you gave up four consecutive. What was it about hits and walks or whatever it was, yeah. the combination of three and one. And then, you are going to think that you're worthy to face Matt Olson in that situation of the game? How delusional are you? My favorite attribute in sports and in any life walk, uh, walk of life is self-awareness. And he lacked all the self-awareness in that situation. And like you, I'm saying, who the hell does Zach Littell think he is? I mean, he got the double play, the, the, the batter before Matt Olson. And I was just like we often do with baseball. I was kind of in and out of the room. Yeah. I think I was cooking some dinner or something like that or maybe grabbing some dessert. And, uh, and, and so the bags are full and, and, you know, I'm already thinking to myself, well, they're probably like, he's faced three batters. Yes. So I'm like, okay, this, that's probably it. Let's get this dude out of here. Cause he's throwing lollipops up there and they let him face the next hitter. They, who, and I forget who it was, but it was one of the Braves mashers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was Riley. I think it was Riley who he was facing. And, uh, and and so I was already surprised that they let him face Riley. Exactly, He gets the double play, but now lefty's coming up. And, oh, by the way, you play for the Giants. You know how this works. Exactly. You're facing a lefty. I don't care if you've actually mowed through the, the last two righties in a row. Alexander's in the bullpen. He's ready. He's left-handed. Go sit down. Yeah, yeah that, the whole- it, So that it was bizarre. It was so crazy. And then to see Kapler storming into the dugout, let's go down in the tunnel and let's talk. I'm thinking to myself, first off, Littell looked a little worried. That's number one. But no one wants to say that out loud. Cap was furious with him, and he was ready to take him down there. And so, whatever. I I just look at this as like a lot of people are going to go, what the hell, Kapler losing? And look. It is odd. That's number one. It's odd because it's Zach Littell. Had it been a more prominent player, I would think there's more credence to this thing. But who the hell does Zach Littell think he is? And look, this is not exclusive to Kapler. This happened to Bochi. And this happened with a more prominent player on that roster than what Zach Littell is to this roster. Santiago Casilla, who won a World Series as a closer in 2014, in 2016 of May, him and Bochi got into it. Now, he apologized almost immediately. But this is not, like, exclusive to Kapler here. This happened to Bochi as well. I don't think people remember that. No, absolutely it did. Um, And so now let's flash forward to the next day because this is where Kapler ended up actually taking the majority of the criticism he took this week, which is that when he went out into the dugout for his pregame session and Littell has been sent down, he said this was performance-based and essentially it had nothing to do with what happened last night, which nobody bought. And then at the very end of the comment, he's like, well, I will also say that your behavior and, and what kind of teammate you are is part of performance. 
So he hedges a little bit. And, and, and here's what I would say about it. Do I think that Latell's outburst had something to do with being sent down? Yes, I do. Do I think that Gabe Kapler should be forced in a dugout to look at a group of microphones and say, yes, we sent Zach Latell down because he was an idiot last night. It seems like everybody wants Gabe to do that. And I'm sitting here going, look, you all already know A equals A, right? If I get that one plus one equals two and you all know that, don't get mad at me for not spelling it out when, when you know that spelling it out will embarrass a professional, okay? Like, you all want Gabe's relationship to be good in the clubhouse? How about start here? Don't kick a teammate while he's down. You just sent him to sack. We all know what happened. Why should Gabe Kapler be forced to say it in front of the media the next day? I don't think that's fair. It's called tact. See, this is the way I look at this. It, it's reading the room if you're a management position, no matter what the industry is, and not throwing one of your guys under the bus or gals or whoever's in there. I'm going to cite another Bochi example here because this one I found interesting. 2011, they get Miguel Tejada. Miguel Tejada does not want to bunt, okay? <laughs> Refuses to bunt. And I remember Bochi being furious about it, but instead of throwing the guy under the bus, well, you know, the situation, we, we kind of wanted him to bunt, and he didn't bunt. A couple <laughs> days later, he's DFA'd, he's off the way. But they didn't say it's because he was insubordinate and didn't follow the rules and wasn't a good teammate. No, no, no. They were just like, it's performance-based. Nobody questioned him. Well, because he had the equity of the ring. So this happens all the time. And like you said, here's the thing. It is also performance-based because if Latell was better, we would give him a longer leash, talent over tolerance. So it is a part of the factoring. I don't think he lied at all. Um, Look, this is life. I don't care what you do in life. Exactly. Whatever the equality of a 5.08 ERA is in your (laughs) job. Yes. If that's your performance and you go yell at your boss, good luck to you. Yeah. Good luck to you. And, 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 and if you're still there the next day, wow, I'd like yeah. to know how you pulled that off. It's not how yeah. it works. So yeah, performance is a part of it and behavior is a part of it. And he should be in Sacramento right now for multiple reasons. Yeah. You know, the other thing that I keep coming back to, and this is more of the Kapler slander in general, And again, I'm not really in on Farhan and Kapler and some of the ways that they go about constructing the roster. There's a lot that they got to do to win me over. That being said, I will defend Kapler and the way he pushes the buttons every single day. Guys have to perform, and we've forgotten that element. And I feel like anytime someone doesn't perform on the field, on the mound, at the plate, we instantly pivot and become experts. Well, you should have went to this guy. It should have went to that guy. The roster top to bottom doesn't have a lot of high-performing players right now. So my question to everyone would be like, which card's he turning over here? That's the Greg Maddox card coming out of the bullpen. Where's where's the where's the Rob Nen card coming out of the bullpen? They got one reliable bullpen arm. His name's Camillo Duvall. Everybody else is a complete wild card at this point. So I'm not even mad at him, but I'm starting to see people use these things as sweeping indictments on who Kapler is as a manager. I just don't think it's fair. It's the Giants podcast for the fan by the fans with Joe Shasky, Mark Willard, two episodes a week. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. You just said it a second ago, so let's dive in. You're not really behind Farhan and Gabe. Greg Johnson is. 
Some of you might go, who's Greg Johnson? Greg Johnson's actually running the show. Weird deal with the Giants, and this is actually part of the dynamic. We've reached a time in their history where I don't think most Giants fans even know who's actually running the team. It's not Larry Bear anymore. You remember he took a step back when he had his controversy a few years ago. Names like Greg Johnson, son of Charles Johnson, the controversial majority owner, and then also Rob Dean. This is These are the people who are actually making high-level decisions Andrew Baggerly caught up with Greg Johnson this week, and one of the questions was, as Farhan Zaidi is heading into the final year of his contract, and he's doing it off of a very disappointing year, this would be considered an uncomfortable spot for him. It is a lame duck scenario if the Giants were to come back without an extension. Johnson, without saying the word extension, essentially said there's going to be an extension. Full vote of confidence for Farhan, full vote of confidence for Gabe Kapler, was asked who he envisioned making moves three to four years from now for the Giants, and he confirmed Farhan Zaidi. So I want to hear from you because that sounds to me like bad news for you because you're a fan who no longer has faith in those guys. So what's your reaction to Greg Johnson's vote of confidence? A couple of things. On the front end, I'm not rooting or pulling or saying they should fire anyone. What I'm saying is that I feel like I am expecting this front office and coaching staff simultaneously to win me back over. That's where I'm at right now. Like I'm out on certain things that they've done over the last couple of years, and I need them to prove to me they care as much as I do about fielding a top-notch quality product. And part of that is free agency. Part of it's being bold with your farm system, making trades, making moves. I look at it this. When they brought Farhan in, the whole point was to bolster the farm and improve the product on the field. All right? I think it's been very difficult to improve the product at the major league level. But I look at this. The farm, from the people that rate these things, marginally better. But my question is, all right, we've had four years to do this. You haven't made any moves. You haven't traded anyone away. All you've been doing is stacking chips, stacking chips. I haven't seen any of those chips actually put on the poker table in a trade on the big league level. So I am a believer in, I got to see it before I can believe it. The other part of this is they were telling me on the front end when he got brought in, we're going to go into the new wave of baseball. Baseball's evolving. Okay. With no shift. What are those principles and philosophies and how are those going to evolve? You're a team that a pulls the ball more than any team in baseball shifts as much as any other team in baseball. How are you going to adjust your baseball principles on the fly to an ever changing landscape? I'm very skeptical. Yeah. Yeah. I think what you just said is incredibly fair. However, I also think that you are going to see from Farhan Zaidi and Scott Harris this offseason an approach that we've never seen before with Giants baseball. Why? Because they have to. Yeah. They've got absolutely no choice. Um, and, I, and I believe they know that. The difficulty with that is, is that they go into an offseason where they're not the only player at said poker table. So you can shift your approach all you want, and it doesn't matter if – Somebody else doesn't agree with your new approach. You offer Aaron Judge, stays at the Yankees. You offer Trey Turner, he goes to the whoever, you know, he wants to go back to the East Coast, stays with the Dodgers, whatever. Whatever it is you're trying to do, you have to have some wins because they have essentially promised it. 
They've said that we, we, we will be a player at the top of the market. Greg Johnson said something that I thought was interesting because there's always, there's always the thought of, yes, we, we might be a player at the top of the market. It's like, well, you've kind of always said that and, and you haven't been <laughs> yeah. so far. But Greg said, and I thought this was an admission, I think they thought the farm system would bear fruit this offseason. Mm. Now they think it won't. And so if what you're doing is waiting for the farm system to bear fruit, if you're coming off of 107 wins, you can wait. If you're coming off of 77, you can't. Mm. And so he said some off seasons, it's not time to spend some off seasons. It is. And so do they want to go have a $100 million off season? I'm sure they don't, but he said they are willing to, and so I just think there are going to be some markers for this team in the offseason, and they may have to grit their teeth and do some things that maybe are against their better judgment. Maybe they wouldn't do them in a different offseason. But if this team shows up next year with more platoon players, nobody with any name value, if they can't create excitement, if their payroll is sitting at 16th in the league, there's going to be a revolt, and they know it. And they they absolutely know it. So what I love about what they've done is they have openly put pressure on themselves. And so now they got to go do it. Well, the other thing is this, like I I use the home analogy. I can't see the foundation. Like right now, the foundation is covered up. It's in the minor leagues. I can't see it. So without seeing it, it's hard to believe that it is a perfectly well-crafted concrete foundation right now. Like that's where I'm at, Mark. And the other thing is this. I don't want them to have to switch out Farhan because if they do, then we're going through this process again. And it might take two or three more years. I will also admit this. Fair or not. Farhan has inherited the sins of the prior regime's flame out, which was a great run, but it cycled down. So, yeah, he's lost the last couple of years, but they have lost as an organization. And for me as a fan, and I view them almost together, even though they're not, they're, they're two separate things. They've lost five out of the last six years. Okay. And so it's not just what Farhan's done, it's the backdrop of how bad they were even before he got here and and i was hoping that things would be farther along and then i think 107 fair or not recalibrated everything and put me in a false sense of things are going in the right directions had i switched the two years this year was the year where they greatly overperformed and last year was the year where they greatly underperformed i think i'd be looking at the whole thing completely different of course you would of course you would i mean even at the beginning of this year you and i talked about it we were not thrilled with the offseason no but but you're like but benefit of the doubt i mean exactly. seven wins last year who the hell i was like who are we to question what they're exactly. doing they're crushing it um, and now they're not crushing it. So who are we to question what they're doing? Well, we're us. We're, we're, we're fans yeah. well, and everybody's questioning them. So I, I, that's all fair. The interesting thing for me here is the last few years, because of the success of last year and because of the excuses of the year before that, pandemic, Boch, Bochi leaving, there everything. were all kinds of reasons yes. where it was like, well, there's just no pressure. That allows Farhan to go out essentially with a clean pocket. If I want to make a football analogy, what Farhan now needs to do this offseason is what Trey Lance needed to do last week in Chicago. It's raining now, dude. Like, you don't – I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, you're not going to just call. drop back and take yeah. your pick. You've now got to show us that you can win without mm-hmm. your best pitch because 
his best pitch is watch me get overachievers everywhere. Yeah. I did it with Max Muncie, the Donovan Solano. Watch me do all this. That's his best pitch. His best pitch is not, hey, here's a stack of cash. Go convince Aaron Judge that we're the spot. But you got to win without your best pitch, right? That's sports. Yeah. So yeah. that's Farhan this offseason. And amidst a very, very down big league club year, think of what really has transpired, though, which is getting no buzz. Joey Bart's kind of a player. Like, that's like, again, no one's saying he's an all star, but he's kind of a player. I will say this about Joey. We keep talking about the Giants wanting everyday players. There is only one who is already on the roster. Uh, agreed. And that's him. Uh, I totally agree. And I think had I had an opportunity to just see Elliot Ramos, I think I would have been satisfied enough. And even if he doesn't pan out into anything, one of the other things that I, that I had to, I went down the rabbit hole on uh, Atlanta Braves and all, oh, everybody wants to be the Atlanta Braves. That GM inherited three international players who ended up developing into Acuna and uh, Vaughn Grissom and uh, Ozzy Albies. Even Vaughn Grissom was 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 uh, obviously born here. But anyway, point being is that they did strike gold, and then the prior regime gave them something to shine up and develop. Now they get credit for developing it. Yep. I think I really underestimated. I knew it was barren. No, it was stripped. To the studs, we are rebuilding this entire house from scratch, pouring new foundation. Every stud is rotten. There was a flood. Like, that's how bad it was in the Giants farm. That's how scary it is because, I, you know, everyone keeps yelling, and you're, you know, Bonte is one of them. What is the plan? I can tell <laughs> you what the plan is. It just didn't work yet. No. Right? The, plan, the plan is that give me three or four players out of my farm who come up, develop, and are ready to contribute, and then – bang, we're going to throw a trade or some money at those guys and supplement the Dodgers, the Braves. It's all the same thing. Even the Padres. Give me someone out of the farm. Okay. Acuna, Albies, uh, you know, Bellinger, Will Smith, Fernando Tatis. Okay, cool. Now we got boom money. Mookie Betts, right? Here we go. Freddie Freeman, Matt Olson, you know, Miguel uh, Cabrera, all of that, all of that, it's the same plan, and it's what the Giants were trying to do. I know. But the three to four homegrown that they're waiting for <laughs> missed the bus. Well, they here's the, the last thing. Here's the last thing that I would add to that uh, is that Farhan was supposed to be the day trader, right? And, and I think this year more than any other, there has been so few arms to pull from in the farm around baseball. Like there's just not enough arms. I think we can all agree. There are not enough arms in baseball. And it feels like they were continually rearranging the chairs on the Titanic deck. And it was driving everyone crazy out of that bullpen. I mean, Mark, for like two and a half months, it felt like no matter which guy they went to in that bullpen, they were just constantly failing and i feel like me watching that day after day after day it just it drove me into insanity and it's made me so angry i just need to get to this off season and then i'll get a renewed hope again i really truly believe that yeah absolutely by the way i just had an old dude moment i think i called him miguel cabrera i met manny machado yeah, i just wanted to, I I wanted want to, to correct that you. straight i didn't want that to go i'm like wait what wait no miguel cabrera geez he's uh, speaking of old men uh, uh miguel cabrera's an old man yeah that like the here's the good news for guys like you and me um this off season now one way or another 
promises to be incredibly dramatic. Absolutely. It has to be. It has to be. And, and, and if it's not, that will be dramatic in and of itself. So the popcorn gets ready in the offseason when the popcorn doesn't taste good in season. And that's exactly what we've got now. By the way, real quick before we uh, before we wrap, Trey Turner with some interesting comments with his uh, upcoming free agency. Number one, everything's mm. on the table. Okay, who doesn't right. say that? Number two, Dodgers have treated me very well. Okay, number three, and this is the one that made my eyebrows go up. He's like, everybody knows I'm from the East Coast, so everyone says I want to go back to the East Coast. And he was like, would I love to go back to the East Coast? Yes, yes, I would. But the Dodgers have treated me really well. When you hear those statements, does it take the Giants off the board? No, no, no. Money talks, man. Like, I'm a big believer in this. There's a lot of things that I've done for money. And this this sounds really worse than it is. But there's a lot of things that I've done for money that I don't think I would have done if there wasn't money on the table. And so, look, whether he likes California taxes, whether he likes the sun, whether he likes living here, it's always about the highest bidder, period. And the Giants in particular, and Sam's putting it in our chat group right now, who treats their players better than the Giants? No, the Every Giants, single yeah, the guy outside of Zach Latall has said that the Giants treat him well. Yeah, absolutely. They no, the Giants' reputation is uh, is 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 a very good one, and I'm with you. Highest bidder wins, and, and Turner, just like a lot of the other guys who are turning 29 and 30, it'll be interesting if somebody sees a seven or eight year deal as, as you know, appropriate here. You've seen Darby Swanson now, Correa, obviously Trey Turner throughout the year, power ranking those three. You still got Trey Turner number one in terms of the guy that you want. Um, Again, I made the comment the other day that I'd rather see Trey Turner. If it also, you know, like a Trey Turner and Shohei Otani one to bunch over the next two years to me is more Interesting. I think it's more winning baseball yes. than Aaron Judge. Um, but I mean, let's be honest. I mean, we're we're the guy at two a.m. at the bar. Like, <laughs> just, give, right? just give us something. <laughs> just give us give us something, and then go win. It has to work. Yes. I'm more yes. interested in it working than it being a fun press conference. At Look, the beginning of the year. For Krug and Kipe's sake, no more shining up the Willie Calhouns. God bless you. I know you're yeah, from Vallejo, but like you're asking a lot for them to try to sell me on Willie Calhoun being one of the best fastball hitters in the league. I love you both, Krug and Kipe. And make their job easier, Farhan. Find somebody they don't have to sell me on. I just want to leave everyone with this. My man, Joe Shasky, says he does a lot of things for money, but I will tell you, I know for a fact, not everything he does is for money. It's the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast, and we will see you again at the end of the week.